Welcome to the Internal Comms Podcast with me, Katie McCauley. Louise Wadman and Claire Hyde call it the power of two. Two minds, two perspectives, two skill sets, but only one job. Together, they are the joint head of internal communication at KPMG UK. Now, this may be, I think, the most senior IC job share in the UK. If you do know another, please let me know. Together, they manage teams, partner and advise senior executives and support business change and transformation. Claire and Louise, as you're here, make an incredibly convincing argument for offering organisations not double the risk, but double the opportunity. Hear how they make job sharing work for the direct reports, senior executives and themselves. Hear the crucial difference between splitting a role and sharing it. Hear about thinking days, an idea I guarantee you'll be wanting to adopt whatever your personal working arrangements. And hear what happened when Claire and Louise started to look for a new job in IC and went to recruiters with one joint CV. Now I have to be honest here, this conversation made me completely reevaluate my own preconceptions of job sharing. And I'm guessing it might just do the same for you. Claire, Louise, it's absolutely wonderful to have you on the Internal Comms podcast. The first question I have to ask you, just to set the context, can you remember your very first impressions of each other, where you were, what you were doing when you first met all those years ago, when I believe you were working at the Lloyds Banking Group? I had just joined, and Claire had already been there for a while, and I had never met Claire, I had hardly met anybody actually, and a message popped up saying hi and welcome. And I was so touched that one of my peers had got had reached out to me. It was a really kind thing to do. So that was my first impression of Claire. And mine was of Louise on your first day, actually, Louise. I think there was a team meeting and a pre-dinner that I couldn't make. So I was kind of joining the group fresh the next day and I'd had a really difficult week. And in the margin of the meeting, Louise just turned to me and said, are you okay? Are you really okay? And it was at that point I thought, you know, here's someone I really enjoy working with. And of course, we continued as part of the same leadership team from some time then. So what was the germ of the idea that led to the job shared? Was that something that grew over time or did one of you wake up in the middle of the night and think, I've cracked it. That's the answer to both of our problems. Well, I've been working part-time for some time, really ever since my children were born, four days a week. And I realised that it wasn't enough time with the family. Yes. That my children, they were both in primary school at that time, and somehow they needed even more care and attention than they had when they were babies. Yes. So I was thinking, OK, I need to go down to maybe only three days a week. How am I going to do that? So I went to see my mentor, and she suggested job sharing. Katie, I'd never heard of job sharing before. <laughs> it was a complete revelation. I started to look into it. I read some articles. And so actually this could work really, really well, but I needed to find someone to do it with. So I thought about my peers and we were quite a large internal communication team at that point in Lloyd's. And I realised that there was only one person who I thought would have the same values as me, who also was working part time. And so 
I grabbed Claire at a meeting in Edinburgh. Do you remember? I do remember, yes. Yes, it was a very unexpected question. It was a, hello, Claire, how are you? Would you like a job show? All in one sentence. <laughs> and was it something that had crossed your mind, Claire? In stages. I think what was interesting, we were both dealing with the same challenge, working a part-time week and still worrying, I guess, on the days that we weren't in the office. Right. Not because we didn't view our teams as really capable, but just the usual ebb and flow of business life. And so when we started talking about this, we saw this as a real route to be able to do fantastic things and still get that time back. Yes, and there's a big difference between working part-time and doing a job share, because as Claire mentioned, my experience of working part-time was that on the day that you weren't there, you couldn't delegate everything to no. your next in command. It just wasn't fair. So decisions were made that you were then not part of, or you had to dial into calls and juggle them with all working mums and working dads too, I'm sure, who work part-time have had that awful feeling of needing to do something with the kids at the same time as something important is happening at work and what do you do? And the job share has transformed that. Mm. So Claire and I each have two days to ourselves. And on those two days, I know that there is somebody working in my patch, doing everything that I would do, who I completely trust and value, and who's probably also thought of even better ways of doing things. It's extremely exciting. And it really does ring fence that time that you want to do other things with. So you can have the quality time outside of work because you know yes. everything's being taken care of. Yes. You're not trying to cram five days into no. three and doing this sort of Herculean job that you've kind of right, created for yourself yes. because you thought it would be easier it's actually hard. Yes. That ring fence time, how do you use that? What does that enable you to do? So it enables so much, actually, and it enables me to do things that are really important in my life, inside of work and be great at the job and have a fabulous opportunity to work with Louise, but also outside of work, volunteering, community, and also just the thinking time, the perspective that this gives you. And often we find that if we're dealing with a real conundrum in work, one of us in one of those quiet moments you may have when you're not in the office will realise that actually there's something here, I've got an idea. And right. we can ring the other one and say, you know, that issue we're really struggling with, how about this? And then we can put the phone down because we know that our partner it's, will go, yes, let's have a look and investigate. So for me, it brings perspective, which is just lovely. And it's interesting, isn't it? I always say I've never had a good idea sat at my desk. Mm, so indeed. that time and space away from the problem is often all you need to solve it, isn't it? Yeah, so right. you get stuck on something. It sounds to me, reading a little, doing a little bit of research before meeting you and talking about this, is it wasn't all plain sailing because you had to then put a business case together to convince the powers that be that this was a good idea. Now, mm -hmm. how did you put that case together? What did it consist of? What were the arguments you made? Well, it'd be unsurprising to learn that we actually thought audience were this. Who are the people <laughs> we need to convince? And for us, it was being very practical to convince the stakeholders that we were working with at the time and you know, our senior managers and leadership team that this could work. At the time, we were the first job share of our type. So we were laying down some real track here, which thankfully others have followed. But we were very practical in thinking of the needs of people. So agreeing things like how we would operate the job share, deciding to share the role rather than split the role. So we had a shared accountability. We were very clear in making sure we could articulate what that actually meant. So someone had had a conversation with one of us, they should expect to have had that conversation with both of us. So we have an understanding. Mm. But also in sharing the value add, this is where we were very 
avert around two people, two minds, and two people working together. You know, we often talk in corporate life about collaboration and sharing mm. ideas. Mm. And we helped show that the job share was a part of that. It was two minds working together. Mm. And I think the experience that therefore we have, you know, our shared experience is now over 45 years. And mm. it's amazing because on paper, I have two children and can speak French. <laughs> <laughs> and in return, you know, Louise has experience in sectors that perhaps she hasn't worked in. So it really is. And well, we call it the power of two, and that's the togetherness that we bring. Did they get it immediately? Did you have some convincing to do? We had an incredibly supportive line manager, and we had to persuade her boss. And I think that her boss initially was wondering whether it would work, but with Helen's support, she really did help us with that argument. And then, in fact, Matt then became one of our greatest advocates, didn't Absolutely he? Absolutely right. Even calling us Chloe's. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> So how long did you do that job share then at Lloyd's? It was coming up to four, four years. years. Four years. Yeah, yeah in partnering. Mm. And we had two different roles. So we were given our first job together, and that was working for six of the group executive function heads, business partnering them with a small team. And then we were given another job just two years after that, where we looked after the creative team and right. within Lloyd's banking group and they had conference organizing and digital capability and content yeah content campaigns really to help tell the story of the strategy which was a really great role I'm just interested in going back to saying you were facing off to some, obviously some very senior people, especially in that first role. And I know from my own experience that senior executives do kind of, you know, they gain an attachment to their comms people. How does that work in practice then when you've got someone at a reasonably senior level, it's very much depending on you, the relationship's really important. Does one of you lead on that relationship and the other take a back seat depending on the personality? How yeah, does it work? You're right to mention chemistry and chemistry. relationships because mm. that is important. And I think in our first role together, there were some stakeholders that I'd worked with more recently, and in some cases for a longer period of time. The way to approach a job share, I think, is always making sure that you're bringing the benefits of what the other person brings. So what was lovely is in the day-to-day -day conversations, which we agreed that sometimes it was better that I led because I had a bit of a back catalogue mm. of the issues of a certain area, where there was a distinct angle or something that actually I knew Louise would be brilliant at, that was a way to bring her into the conversation as well, which cemented the job show in the eyes of our stakeholders. Oh. And that was a real great value add with our partnership. That's really interesting. Yeah, because basically having two of us, you've got lots of options. Usually we're supporting executives and they would have their meetings on a certain day. So perhaps it would just be whichever one of us is in on that day. But as Claire said, if there's actually very strong chemistry with one of you, then it makes sense for them to operate. And we had one really super executive who was very supportive, but he was curious about how it would work. And so the way in which we proved it to him, and actually there are a couple of them, was through the real robustness of our handovers. Mm. And so if, as Claire mentioned, one of the execs have a conversation with one of us, it's incumbent upon that one because we're sharing the role to make sure that that one has briefed the other one of us so that right. we really do understand, not necessarily just what was discussed, but also the nuances or the kind of 
things that we think that we'll probably have to go back to or that they might come back to. Right. And so that is very, very thorough, our handover. It's absolutely key, yeah. I mean, we operate on the basis of no surprise for our executives, no matter what the scenario is, but we operate on that same basis with each other. Right. So that if there is a conversation that's been had or an important piece of information, we make sure we cover each other. That's really important because the stakeholder needs to see an absolute seamless Mm. response must both. The job share is so much about collaboration and it's about not just making sure that one of us is aware of what has happened with the other ones, that there's a perfect handover, but it's also about both of us being able to tackle a problem, have a think about something. Sometimes from different perspectives, which gets often a much better result. And it's also a very safe place because if one of us is saying I'm just not sure or I'm worried about this then there's always another person to talk to about it which is really really super. Yes you're definitely describing a situation where two minds are better than one basically. Mm. It does sound incredibly powerful but I guess a lot of it will come down to let's put it another way it's not just one of you turning up for two days doing a super job sharing a day together in the office Mm. midweek and then someone else takes over. No. The whole way you work throughout the week is dependent on making sure that you're taking the right kind of notes, that you're remembering mm. the right kind of things, that you're briefing the other. Yes. So just describe to me how that sort of works during the week and what sort of the, the mechanics of it, I guess. There are a lot of mechanics, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yes, there are. So Claire starts the week. She works Monday and Tuesday and we have Wednesday together and then I finish the week. Typically, Claire is in London for Tuesday and Wednesday. I'm in London for Wednesday and Thursday. We both work locally to our homes on Monday and Friday. There are two things that I have to do on a Friday to make sure that everything is in order for Claire. And one of them is to write the handover note. And that reflects all the conversations, everything that's gone on on Thursday and Friday. So that Claire then can read that on usually a Sunday afternoon. And so she's ready to go on Monday. The other thing that I have to do is make sure that the inbox (laughs) is... It's nice and tidy. Claire and I have a very different approach to our admin on our inbox. And my filing consists of putting everything in the archive. (laughs) Or the Claire action folder. Yes, or the Claire action folder. But Claire has a very meticulous way of organising the inbox. So I always make sure that everything is where it needs to be. Then Claire will write me a handover on Tuesday evening, which I read on Tuesday evening so that I'm up to date on Wednesday morning when I come in. Then we meet each other for usually about an hour on Wednesday mornings where I can ask any questions or Claire can brief you on anything that she wanted to expand on in the handover note. And then we have options on Wednesdays. We can either go to the same meetings or we can split ourselves in two and go to different meetings. The most meetings we ever attended was like 20 meetings in one day because we, we split up and then we just need to make sure that we've updated each other at the end of the Wednesday as well. Yeah. And Wednesdays is a key day for our team as well because yeah. of course, you know, job sharing needs to work for stakeholders but it really needs to work for the team that you're part of and so what's lovely is we have our time with our team on Wednesdays and really spend time with them then. I think there's an extra level of flexibility which is important to say, isn't it? Because, you know, we're talking about a dream concept that a lot of people would like to be able to do working life and the flexibility definitely works both ways you know we really appreciate the flexibility that this way of working gives 
sponsors us and we very much appreciate the organisations that you know, we're part of now and that we have been. But it also relies on us to be flexible. So there may be other times on the weekend, again, on that no surprises type piece where mm. we'll also pick up the phone and make sure there's a connection at the end of the week as well. So there's actually quite a continuum of us mm. speaking together for the good of making sure we're you know, moving forward. The one inbox, the one email address, Mm. I think is just a brilliant idea. I just guess one of the things that you have to be wary of is sticking to the days when you're not supposed to be working and not interfering. I guess that's one of the rules that you have. When you're off, you're off. Mm. When you're on, you're on. You can talk to each other and you can have those bright ideas, but you kind of respect each other's boundaries. Completely, yes. That must be quite important. Yes, unless we've agreed that one of us is going to do something on the days, which is, again, is something that we've done before. Mm. And occasionally also we've changed our working patterns in order to accommodate something that the business needed. When we took up our second job together, we had a team that was spread across the country. And so we took a week where we worked the same days. We went to see everybody rather than bringing them in so that we could spend time shadowing them a little bit as well. And that was a really great it's week, really actually, good wasn't way. it? Mm. Yeah, yeah. spent time together with the team. Yeah, absolutely. So do you ever disagree? Do you ever get <laughs> yes. those moments when you think, well, it's definitely not that, it's this. <laughs> what happens in these situations? <laughs> So we do disagree, and what happens is just so blindingly obvious, it's it's hardly worth mentioning, but we talk to each other. (laughs) You're good communicators, basically. Or sometimes our team says, hang on, but Claire told me to do something else. And so it's really, really important for our teams to be comfortable with the job sharing so that they can flag anything to either of us about how either of us is working or whether the job share works for them. But then when we haven't agreed, we've then talked it through and thought, okay, well, let's think about the options. And then we've decided which option we're going to go with. And there have been, I think, examples in the past where sometimes in going through all the options, it's obvious which one we ought to go through. Sometimes it's not obvious. And so we perhaps give the executive a couple of recommendations and let them decide. Yes. And sometimes we just go for, well, we've never done it like this. We just have a go. <laughs> yes. And that's been quite exciting. Nice, nice. But what's really important is we never say, oh, Louisa's idea is yes. this, but my idea okay. is this. Yes. Which no. one do you want to pick? You decide. Yes. We decide and we're united. Yes. Very That's important. Right. Yeah, yeah, Very absolutely. Important. Yes. Because the yes. most important thing in our partnership is the job share. Because if that fails, then we couldn't do the job that we're doing now because neither of us want to do it full time and we couldn't have the time out of work either. So you protect that. Yeah. And I think I can completely understand where you're coming <clears> from. It makes total sense. In researching for this episode, I noticed that you also have thinking days. Oh, yeah. And we I love, love the sound thinking of thinking days. days. And I think we all need thinking days, regardless of whether we job share or not. What happens on mm. thinking days? <laughs> <laughs> well, we literally have a day set aside in the diary that we work towards and we go off site we leave the office environment we go somewhere different where we're really good at thinking that even could be a walk sometimes as part of the day and we consider a number of things we'll have had inputs for our team as to some of the things that they think we could fine-tune in the team or what we're delivering we will assess that we'll think about the strategic progress of what we're doing against the role and the priorities that we have right now and we come out of that those team days actually rejuvenated we've had the time to think about the big issues but she said earlier Katie you've got that person to bounce things off mm. and for me one of the benefits of job sharing is that it forces you to have that time together you know quite often senior people will often say I've only had more time to think actually these thinking does give us the rigor of really considering some big ticket things that we're worrying about we are very open with that. Our team know that we are having them. 
they expect an update after it. Good, uh, yes. Louise once did write an update to the team with the subject box. Claire and Louise is thinking day, have they gone to a spa? But she just uh, never answered the question within the margins of the notes. So we've left them guessing. But actually coming out of that, there are some real time things that we can say, look, you fed these things into us. This is what we've talked about. Here's the answer going forward. And so that's what we also use our time together. Yeah, for. and we've made, in addition to the sort of strategic thinking that we do, sometimes it's very tactical. So we ask the team, our teams for feedback and an early piece of feedback that we got was that they were finding it confusing reporting to both of us because mm-hmm. when we first started the job share all of our direct reports were reported into both of us and so we changed that and they report into one or other of us and again when we're thinking about who do they report into we think about chemistry and we also think about development areas and things like that so it's a good opportunity for the team or anyone else to say when you go will you have a little think about this because it might not be working or it might need a bit of an adjustment. I can imagine a lot of people listening to this going this all sounds great but I've got to then make this happen. How do you make sure those how many a year would you have? One a quarter. One a quarter? Yes. How do you make sure they happen? Is it just diarising them, having them in the diary and not moving them? Is that the Um, the critical thing? It's a little bit more ad hoc than that, basically. (laughs) Okay, we need to have a thinking day because we have had one every single quarter. And then we'll look at the diary and... It'll either be on a Wednesday or it might be a Tuesday. I'll say, I can flex my week that week, so let's do it then. We look to see that when we haven't got very many meetings, which is often why it doesn't end up on a Wednesday, actually. Yeah, I think usually one or other of us has to be a little bit more flexible in terms of their days. That's right, yeah. But it's a concept we really advocate. You know, anyone Mm. listening to this that thinks, right, I'm not in a job share, so I can't have a thinking day. Actually, we believe that these could be really useful for so many people. You know, pick a peer that you get on well within your team or who could give you critical advice or who's the polar opposite of you who will give you completely different perspective mm. this will be a really great piece that we would do again if we weren't part of the oh, job yeah. share because it forces the conversation around key issues that can help so really yes. it's doable no matter where you are and what you're doing yeah no yeah. it sounds wonderful you took the concept of the job share and it was all working at Lloyd's very well and you'd done it for four years but then decided, well, maybe time for change and a new challenge. So went to the marketplace to look for a new role, but as a job share, how was that? It was fascinating. (laughs) It was. So we wanted to find a job together. And so we created a single CV. And I suppose that was the first talking point because the recruiters that we went to had not seen a joint CV before. And it caused some difficulty even knowing whose name to put (laughs) under in their database and then when we got to meet people they were saying well are you coming together yes we are we are a job share so we have interviewed together and then we had many reactions well we've never ever interviewed a job share we don't know how to do this and in terms of the jobs that we went to we had a real range of reaction to us didn't we Claire? We did, yes. We had one day in particular that stands out in our mind around a day where someone did tell us, well, you know, you may think you're double the opportunity, I think you're double the risk, actually. Oh, so there were various rounds of kind of scepticism there. But that was actually quite useful for us because it made us think, you know, how are we positioning ourselves? What's the value add? Because sometimes when you're looking, you know, you could be perceived as a bit of a novelty act. So people want to see you. They want oh, to see. have a conversation just oh, yeah. to see what this would be like. 
But actually, we spend quite a lot of time really being very clear with, you know, what we could bring and what we do and where our skill set is. Mm. Did you feel you were changing people's minds, even the recruiters' minds, just being there and having the conversation? Well, we know that we did, actually, because we got feedback from other people in our usual networks. Of course. It's a small world. It's a small world. And we know that some of them were really, really sceptical. And then they met us and they could see how it worked, Mm. actually. And we were asked to give presentations at two different recruiters, weren't we? Absolutely, yeah. And at some other conferences on future work and ways of working. And we'd like to think that, you know, we know other job sharers who are really successful as well. And we feel part of that family, actually. And I think it's incumbent on all of us to to just keep talking about this. Um, And by virtue of the people we've partnered in the past and Mm -hmm. the people, you know, we've had conversations with, if we can just light up something in each one of those who indeed are running large organisations and large teams, we plan to see which hopefully will enable others to have a bit more successful conversation about that, about this as well. And that's really important to us. Are you blazing a trail here at KPMG or is the job share role fairly well established here? It's, yeah, relatively well established. There are other job shares Mm. in the firm. We are the first hired in as a duo. Right. Which is fantastic. Fantastic. Yes. And so, yes, we're, we're part of a growing family, I think, in this yes. world. At different yes. levels as well mm. in the organisation. Yeah, that's amazing. What's the kind of best piece or first piece of advice you would give to someone who, you know, is maybe listening to this now and thinking, where do I start? How do I get started? I mean, I guess finding an opposite number has got to be the first mm. step, is it? It's really important. Louise touched on something at the outset, which is critical to us about sharing the same values and and having that trusted person who you believe that you could work with. They don't have to be a clone of you. Actually, it's better when you have some complementary skills, Mm. but also some different things that you bring. I think Mm. my piece of advice would be when you're about to embark on job sharing, do that at the right time. With job sharing, you are sharing literally your successes, your Mm. failures. Mm. So therefore, when one of you has landed something brilliantly, you're both celebrating that. But sometimes earlier in your career, naturally you want to force that trail and you want to be able to blaze that for yourself. Uh. You need to get to that point when you are happy to share success. Yes. Then you support each other well. And then you also motivate each other to do the right thing as well. So for me, there's a really interesting point about timing and when you're prepared to open that up so that you act and operate as a team. It's yeah. really interesting because I think we all get to a point in our career where success becomes sort of, we enjoy it almost vicariously. Mm. It's through other people anyway because it's wonderful things our team has done and we've just been maybe just guiding behind the scenes. We've just, Absolutely. You know, and, and you describe a moment in your career where, as you say, it's not just about the bright, shiny lights and being under them and being under the spotlight of success, but being comfortable with saying it's a collaboration mm. and it's sharing. It really which I think is. is lovely. Yeah. And I can't imagine job sharing with anyone else but I know that colleagues in say the civil service often who are job sharers often have multiple job share partners but I think that I was incredibly lucky to find Claire actually because we do share the same values and we have the same approach to things and so we haven't had times when we've fallen out really really massively or as we were talking earlier. But often when we're talking, we say, oh, I've been thinking that. I say, yeah, me too. Really? Yes. I mean, the times when we've disagreed are so small compared to the times when I've been thinking, I wonder what Claire is thinking about this and found that she's actually thought exactly the same thing. Mm, mm. And so someone with the same values and the same approaches 
is really, really important. It's almost like having built-in quality assurance into your own role, isn't it? It's like That's just, a nice way of putting it. It's a very similar, that's how I'm sort of seeing it. You collectively have, you know, 45 years experience in communications, a lot of it in internal communication. I'm just wondering if you, and it's a very hard question, but I'm going to ask it anyway. What's been the sort of the biggest sort of forces of change that you think you've seen over that time? What's really shaped the profession from your perspective over that time? Being the oldest <laughs> in our partnership. Uh, I think when I started out, a lot of it was about, as it is now, I suppose, in some extent, communicating some sort of change or just communicating information. And I think that the biggest single change has been how we need to think far more about engagement. And mm. it, we're not just post boxes, as we all know, but it's so much more about thinking about the colleague journey in terms of campaigns and real engagement and the science coming into the profession, whether it's from behavioural economics or, or neuroscience, and that informing what we do. Mm. Yeah, I completely agree with that. And of course, you know, goes without saying, technology, social mm. platforms, you know, almost disintermediating to some degree, the kind of leadership to colleague piece. Yes. And so, you know, communication needs to think very, very differently internally. That's really, really critical for us. So staying relevant, continuing to add value, and also being really clear on, you know, we talk about that classic marketing mix to how to reach people mm. being more creative and inventive in that mm. also coming back to you know just good old-fashioned being together face to face you know in my view will always have a really big place it is interesting isn't it when people get very excited about the latest technology and the latest platforms and we're almost becoming like Clapham Junction we've got so many <laughs> platforms we don't know what to do with them and they certainly don't connect up in a lot of places but everyone's still saying let's not forget the value mm. of face to face and let's keep doing that incredibly well because that's really when it works best isn't it and when real connection and engagement is created so it's lovely to hear that what's the next big challenge for IC if you could sort of wave a magic wand and solve a big problem for IC what would it be what do you think we need to work on especially getting ahead of the curve on more disruptive ways of communicating right. AI really understanding that really working on the practicalities of how that's going to mm. be in the workplace mm. you know when you have robotics writing some press pieces that, mm. you know, that you're reading day to day in the newspaper and actually seeing what's underneath some of that mm. I think this is a really interesting area we all need to sharpen up and explore more. Yeah, absolutely. And be interesting what AI does in terms of enabling us to focus on the more creative and strategic mm -hmm. because some of the reporting, literally, that basic reporting can be done by a very clever algorithm. It absolutely can, yeah. And it's also how you establish confidence and trust because, you know, to what degree do those ways of communicating, you know, influence how a workforce will respond to certain things? Mm. You know, who are they most likely to listen to? Where are they getting most up-to-date advice and guidance? And where does the whole, you know, leadership piece play a part in all of that as well? So let's move on, if we may, to those quick fire questions. What's the one piece of advice you wish someone had given you before you'd embarked on this job share? <laughs> I always thought that Claire and I should wear the same clothes. <laughs> and I wish I'd got Claire to agree to that up front because she's never agreed so far. Branded polo <laughs> shirts. <laughs> And I think a piece of advice maybe that I would absolutely 
absolutely a soul is find the right person. Yeah, I know we've touched exactly on it before. Right. If we yeah. were giving advice, mm. it's really mm. find that right person. Some people have approached us and said, so how did you find each other? Actually, the best way is to observe someone in action. It's like mm. any partnership. Mm. You would want to see that person, see how they respond in different scenarios. And that would be, for me, something that I would encourage others to do, to be really choosy. Yeah. I was very choosy yeah. picking the ways as well. <laughs> it's almost like a marriage, isn't oh, it? It's yeah. so interesting. It's just that it, chemistry is vital between the two of you. Yeah, it really is. And, and I still remember reading, you know, when I was trying to work out how to solve my conundrum of needing more time at home, reading this article about these two women and how they describe the job and it sounded so strange. <laughs> and now I realise we are those we two are the people. <laughs> yes. But could it be the future? Because I have this thing about work-life balance and I wonder what the future is of work-life balance. And I look at the way that I work at the moment and the lines, the hard lines between mm. work and home, they're so blurred now, mm. aren't they? Yes. Especially when you've got responsibilities outside the workplace that you have to fit in. So then sort of everything has to sort of fit in like a jigsaw. Mm. And those, it just becomes a very messy kind of life when you might be answering emails at midnight, hoping no one's reading them because you don't really expect a response at half to. past 12. But you know you've got to get it done because you've maybe got to get mm. your kid to school very early or whatever is happening. Could this be the answer for people? Are you actually developing a new model for good practice in the future? Is this the way we're all going to be working, do you think? The oh, Labour I, government are talking about a four-day week. <laughs> I think it's got huge potential. And encouragingly, it's not just women who are doing it, but there are men as well. In the TimeWise Awards, there are more men who are coming up. So I think that the space it gives you to manage other very busy lives, or otherwise, just like as Claire said, to have that time when you can reflect on things and you can slow down a little bit mm. is really, really invaluable. I speak to a lot of people now and it is about stopping and slowing down. Mm. It's perspective and it helps you be better mm. when you're there and part of the team and looking after each other. We have so many conflicting demands on our time. Everybody does. Mm. But this is a really refreshing way to work, actually. Mm. That's a lovely way of putting mm. it. What book, journal, website, it really doesn't matter, but what should all communicators read? So I really like Hilary Scarlett's Neuroscience and Organisational Change. I think that the way she talks about how the mind works is so relevant to us as communicators. And I think that a lot of us who have been doing it for quite a long time will recognise things that we have been doing intuitively, yes. which actually now are proven to be scientifically valid. <laughs> It's just that science to back up what you know in your gut is right. Yes. But we need it because you yeah. can't just say, just trust me, I know. No, exactly. <laughs> and connected that, for me, I think anything that reminds you of your audience. So one book I've got on the go at the minute is Jeremy Vine's book. And he oh, is really? recounting his many tales of his audience and things that they have challenged him with, some expected and some unexpected. And, and I'm just finding it a really good reminder, actually, of you know, never underestimate your audience, actually, and really keep thinking very deeply about the audience group. And as communicators, I think that's key. Yes, absolutely. Couldn't agree with you more on that. So this is the question that always trips everyone up. But let's give it a go. What, Louise, would you do tomorrow if you knew you couldn't fail? I haven't been able to land on one thing because there are quite a few things that I would like to do. So um, be a fabulous surfer. <laughs> Claire and I have talked for a long time about writing a book about job sharing. And so if I was granted one wish, I would also do that. 
in the back of my mind, I still would quite like to open my little cafe. Oh, <laughs> cakes. I think cakes, are we talking yes, cakes? we are, but I would be awfully fat. <laughs> I really would. <laughs> Do you bake? Yes. Which is yes. very good. Well, what's your signature cake? I make lots of different cakes. Some of them are a bit haphazard because I don't always follow the recipe. So <laughs> I made one yesterday and my son said, what is it? And I said, well, it's supposed to be <laughs> pistachio and almond, but I didn't have any pistachio, so <laughs> a pecan and almond. <laughs> I think I might have a problem with consistency in my cafe. <laughs> Your lemon dress is very good, though. Thank you. Tested. <laughs> if anyone wants the recipe that might be listening, we'll put it in the show notes. <laughs> So, Louise, I'd like to ask you, I'm going to give you a billboard, basically, and on that billboard, you can write any message you like. What's going to be on that billboard? My message is be brilliant. Over the years, what I have realised is that we all have some things that we are really, really good at. And there's a danger, I think, at work that those things are not always maximised. So I think you should forget about your development areas as far as you can. Instead, focus on the thing that you're really, really good at because that's your point of differentiation. That's where your passion comes through and that's where you really can be brilliant. Thank you so much. That makes perfect sense. So listeners, that's a wrap for this episode of the Internal Comms Podcast. For the show notes, as well as the books that we mentioned, please pop over to AB's website. That's abcom.co.uk. And while you're there, you might like to sign up for I Saw This and Thought of You. It's our monthly newsletter for internal communicators, a roundup of the latest news reports and general goings-on in the world of IC. It's also where you'll hear about our events and future episodes and receive bonus content. Now, I'm very keen to get your thoughts on the show and your ideas for future guests. There's lots of ways to get in touch. You can share your views on Twitter. We're at ABThinks. Or you can email me directly, icpodcast at abcom2ms.co.uk. If you enjoyed the show, I'd be very grateful if you could rate the podcast on iTunes because apparently that's the very best way of making it more discoverable for other internal communicators out there. And to make sure you don't miss another episode, please subscribe on iTunes or your favourite podcast service. So all that remains is for me to say thank you. Thank you for listening to the Internal Comms Podcast with me, Katie McCauley. And until we meet again, remember, it's what's inside that counts.